Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Hello to December. Hello to each one of you. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. It's a sports spectacular. Hey, we have a guest later this hour who has played a major role behind the scenes of Illinois basketball, and you didn't know about it. Yep, that's coming up a bit later. Lots of college basketball on the way as well. Tis the season. Uh, let's kick it off, though, with some Illini football right now. Uh, the team in a holding pattern awaiting their bowl assignment. And guys, it's a, it's a very nice place to be considering uh, the history of this program. You know, you look at it, they're, they're over under starting the season was four and a half wins and they finished with eight wins um, and, you know, eight and four uh, really close to being in that big 10 title game. And to be honest, they're really close to, I mean, they had a chance to win every game they played. I mean, even at Michigan was a game that looked up, but they had a chance to win at, in the fourth quarter, every game that they played. Well, I, I was really happy that the Illini avoided the dreaded 0.5 win. So that was good. So um, eight wins was really nice. You know, there was that tantalizing uh, losing four games by uh, no more than eight points. Makes you think, oh, we could have been, you know, 12 and 0. And, you know, in some other universe, maybe they were. But an eight game win season out of an Illini team is fantastic. And it makes you think that the that Coach Bielma and this staff has the team on the right path. You're right. And I think that's the thing is that you think about last year, they went five and seven um, really were in every game after the Wisconsin game. I mean, that was Virginia was ugly. Wisconsin at home was ugly, but they really righted themselves. When you look at that. Uh, yeah. They, they, there's some games here that they could have won, um, but considering where this team was and where the, the culture was 24 months ago, what a quantum leap and even Brett Bielema uh, talked about that as well. Uh, meanwhile, 16th ranked Illinois basketball at number 22, Maryland Friday night in the big 10 opener for the entire conference. Lots of pregame and postgame coverage on Illiniguys.com. Tuesday night. It was a nice signature win over Syracuse to close out the ACC big 10 challenge. Yeah, it was a good win. Illinois played some fantastic defense, despite the fact they couldn't throw it in the ocean uh, for much of the first half, whether it was three point line, free throw line, or, even on layups, they struggled. So they struggled. But, you know, when you guard and you defend, you have a chance to win. And that's what they did against Syracuse. Then second half, they start to make some more shots uh, really and really clamp down on Syracuse second half. I think the Qs had seven field goals and 11 turnovers. This reminds me of a girls high school basketball game. And um, or an old Muhammad game back when I was in high school. Um, you know, the bottom line is it was similar, awesome. similar, <laughs> very similar. Um, the bottom line is, is this team shows an awful lot of poise for being this early in the season with this few returning players. And it's a real testament uh, talking to Coach Underwood in the offseason. He talked about coaching Juco College and how integrating 10 new players into his team before was going to come in really handy. And based on what I've seen early in the season, I got to say he's right. Well, and you know, the thing I take away from this team is that um, I never notice who's on the court. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when you get into games, you get in the, you know, the last, you know, eight, seven, six minutes, you know, you're going to bring the starting five back in and then they're going to run their sets and they're going to do their thing as they're the best players. 
Um, I never noticed as a fan, as an observer, I never realized who was on the court in terms of what five is on the court because he has so many combinations and they're all fantastic. Um, and, and I think that's what special bets. You got RJ Melendez, who, you know, struggles in the first half, was huge in the second half. Uh, Brad, you wrote about uh, Sky Clark going over, but it was his maturity and defense. Um, and one Syracuse fan I talked to the, the morning after said, you know, those guys don't play like freshmen. And Brad, you've been saying that really since last summer. Yeah, I, I think that and Sky is the perfect example because a lot of guys, freshmen, and we saw that from Syracuse, okay, the, their star freshman, Judah Mintz, shoots three for 16. He's flustered. He's frustrated. He's trying to do too much. He's turning it over. Sky Clark's 0 for 10, 0 for 7 from 3, but just running the team. He rebounds. He's still defending. He's locking up Mintz. Or when they get switched inside, he's battling inside. He's getting assists. He's moving the ball. He just... He plays with such a calm demeanor. It's really astonishing to, that he's a freshman because he plays like an older guy because young guys usually can't handle going over 10 and still staying under control. Yeah, and, and you also then, to, to kind of be a little bit different, you have the frenetic energy when Sincere gets into the game where all of a sudden the defense becomes crazy and, and loose balls start occurring um, and, and of course you have Jaden Epps who that uh, look, he's just going to score. We don't know how he's going to do it. And I don't know that he always does, but it, it happens. This is such a great mix of players to watch. And it's, it's already become fascinating because they, they've each got their own individual character and, and it's been neat to see how they evolve in just a few games. You're exactly right. And I think it goes back to the, the team leadership. TJ Shannon's come in. I mean, I think he it clearly is the alpha of this group as a senior coming in again. Um, you know, didn't do much in the first few minutes. Epps hits a bucket. Uh, he hits three threes in a row, uh, like a 14-5 run in the first half. And that put them out in front uh, to stay. And, of course, the second half, and they build it on top of that. But um, it's a team right now that I think, you know, Brad, you've mentioned and Mike, we've all talked about it. Um, they're still figuring things out. This is one that they've got this tough stretch ahead. Um, you know, if they lose one, it's not unexpected uh, because they have some really tough games. It doesn't mean that they're not a quality team, but they're learning from each. I saw different things in this game against Syracuse that I didn't see them do in Virginia. And again, that's unusual for a team. Uh, that largely just came together this summer and, and a guy like Matt Meyer, um, and we're going to hear more from Brad, from uh, Brad Underwood on him. Uh, they didn't come in until, until late summer and a lot of freshmen, a lot of maturity here and they trust each other. And, and Brad, it appears that nobody cares who gets the stats or who gets the, whatever they just go out and just play. And that's, that's rare. Yeah, no question. And I think that's big. I, Matthew Meyer is a good example of that. I mean, you know, he's not worried about scoring. You know, there are a lot of guys who wanted – he would have gone to a situation where he could just shoot it 20 times. And he could have done that this year. He wants to win. And so if that means he takes five shots one game, and and even if he – well, no matter what happens, that's just what he does. And he, Underwood was so excited to watch Matthew Meyer dive on the floor there at the end of that game. Game's probably over anyway. But those guys all diving around, I, I think they made the floor really slick so that Coleman slipped on it, but, but with all the sweat, but, but still it was, it was just, that's the kind of team they are and they play and they play, you know, play hard. And, and I can tell you right now that it doesn't, he has, Brad Henderwood has an idea what he's going to do, but the game will dictate who plays the most minutes, how it flows. And he can do that. He basically can go nine deep. And when Luke Goody comes back, then he's got that 10th guy that allows him 
so much flexibility. Like this game is a better fit. And, and honestly, Luke Goody would have got a lot of minutes against Syracuse because he would have made jump shots, you know? Yeah. And, and the other thing I found really interesting is there was at least, I don't know, eight or nine possessions where literally every player got the ball and passed it. Mm-hmm. And that's a drill that you run, you know, in, in practice. And it rarely do you see it in a game, yet these guys are sharing the ball. And there's a couple of times that you might have said the team overpassed. And that's just such a rare thing in today's game. So it, it really bodes well for the future. 73-44 was the final uh, in that contest uh, over Syracuse. 100th win for Brad Underwood in Champaign. And we're going to hear more from Coach here in a moment about that and about Coleman Hawkins' big night as well. In fact, Coleman is up next talking about um, the rarefied air that he joined. What a quantum leap for this young man as a junior uh, from what we saw from him the past couple of years and even where he was uh, last spring where he thought about leaving the program. Quick time out right now. More College Hoops talk is on the way. This is the Sports Spectacular. Are you tired of your friends and family members being the center of attention? Always the life of the party? Always the one who knows something no one else does? Then change the game with IlliniGuys.com. Insider info on your favorite teams. Analysis on the latest games. Weekly chats with coaches. You take control of the room with IlliniGuys.com. Regular updates from the experts put you courtside and in the locker room. But wait, there's more. Act now and get this free Guys sweatshirt. Comfortable. Stylish. Tell the world, I'm an Illini guy and you're not. Don't delay. This is a limited time offer. Go to IlliniGuys.com, click the Black Friday button, and you are on your way to cool guy status. Feature articles, game analysis, members-only message boards with insider info, plus the cool sweatshirt, all yours. May they never ignore you again. Thanks to IlliniGuys.com. Sign up today. Welcome back here to the Sports Spectacular. Larry, Brad, and Mike as this segment presented by Busey Bank, proud supporters of the Fighting Illini and this program as well. Uh, the newsmakers is what we're talking about right now, and nobody making bigger news this week than Coleman Hawkins on Tuesday night. 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists to become only the fourth player ever to record a triple-double in Illini history. Of course, his former teammate Ayo DeSumo did it uh, twice a couple of years ago in his All-America season. Uh, Coleman talking about that uh, and uh, joined by his teammate R.J. Melendez as well after the big win over Syracuse. Let's listen in. Coleman, to start, when's the last time you had a triple-double? When was that moment kind of life for you to get that rebound at the end? You said the last time I had a triple-double? Yeah, or have you had one? No. No? <laughs> Not that I know of, I'm sure. Maybe in my... Uh... Uh, at the Cal Fit gym back home uh, with my friends, but no, nah, I've never had a triple double. It was, it was just, uh, it was a great moment. Uh, I know uh, my freshman year seeing Io get two. I think uh, DB mentioned to me uh, I was the fourth player, or it was the fifth one in program history. So it, it's that's a great moment. That's that's huge. Um, that's huge. RJ, what was it like seeing Coleman get that? Uh, what made him so effective tonight? I mean, he's a great teammate. He knows where to find us. Um, he knows where to chase every single rebound. So I'm really happy for him. Um, that's something that not, not anybody can do. So I'm very happy for him and very excited to keep going with him during the season and hope he can get many more. Coleman, how aware of like maybe where you stood, triple-double-wise, were you? Yeah, I mean... 
the the score is kind of like right by the stats. So like every time I look up, I kind of see the stats. And um, uh, first half, I think I saw like six rebounds, a couple points, and like five assists. So then I was really like, okay, this is possible. I'm definitely gonna play hard. I should. I know I shouldn't be doing that, but play hard and uh, hopefully get a triple double. And it, it just so happened to come. So yeah. Go ahead, Matt. RJ, how were you able to kind of rebound from your first half where you were in foul trouble and you couldn't play more than four minutes and then made an impact in the second 20 minutes? Uh, just keeping that energy from the bench the first half. I knew getting in foul trouble was not going to give me any playing time in the first half because, you know, that's coach's decision. But after the second half, just coaches told me, like, just come and play hard and things are going to go fl- flow your way and just guard the ball, don't foul, and trust me, things will go your way. So I just follow what they said to me and just play hard. Right. Hey, uh, Coleman, how does it feel at this point in your career that uh, Coach Underwood has uh, trusted you in your game? Uh, it means a lot. Um, just every day in practice, uh, you know, there there might be something I, I see, and he's the head coach coming up to me asking me what I see, what he, what I uh, what I think is best. Um, it, it means a lot to have his trust. Um, so it, it it's it's just a, it's just like a, a, a motivating thing, you know, when a coach comes to you and asks him you. What you see out there, uh, you know, uh, my confidence is, is sky high when when stuff like that happens. So just knowing that he trusts me, it means a lot. So, Doug? For both of you, really, this they were under 30% shooting the ball. Talk about contesting shots. Do you, do you think this might have been the best game that you've had this year, just defending the, the and contesting shots? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Gerard is a, a – good guard who can really get it off. Uh, we didn't really allow that. We didn't allow him to get going. But, you know, other than that, um, you know, guys are kind of more catch-and-shoot guys. So just being there on the catch, uh, kind of making them deck it more, uh, get into that press, speeding them up a little bit more, uh, it's it's all part of affecting uh, that game. Uh, just, yeah, contesting shots. We don't want to give up open threes to guys like Gerard or anybody like that. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely – it comes with the press and just comes with our defense. So – RJ, you want to answer that? Mm. That same question. Um, yeah, coach really emphasized that just keeping them from shooting the ball. Because after watching a lot of film, um, we saw that they were more of like Coleman said, "I'm um, spot up shooting." So just be there in a the catch and just contesting every single shot and don't let Gerard get going because that would affect us in the game. Derek, going, what did you see in the middle of that zone to be able to rack up ten assists and then get scoring a little bit more there in the second half? Yeah, I just, I just kind of. You know, filled in the spots, uh, found the gaps. Um, I knew my teammates would be in certain spots. Um, and I was kind of just patient with it. I didn't uh, speed anything up. Uh, kind of waited for guys to get to their areas as well. Uh, so I kind of just, yeah, just was patient with it, picked my spots. Uh, guys were cutting in the corners. I knew that uh, they kind of matched up uh, once the ball got into the high post. So I knew sometimes, you know, the top guys might be open. So it was it was just a lot of film and preparation and and you know actually in practice we were using uh like long sticks to emphasize their length and you know we were really kind of like tight with our passes like certain passes wouldn't get through but yeah like I said just knowing my spots knowing my gaps and knowing where guys are really helped me out
Coach Underwood often talks about Coleman and how he sees the game. He sometimes is a step ahead of his teammates with his uh, his passing, and he sees what's going to be open. He makes those plays, and I think you could see that against the Syracuse zone. He was just so locked in, and he knew where he was going to go with the ball before he caught it. And you know, if it was close, he had, but he had enough. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's awareness to to see where they were moving, what he could find, op- going opposite, hitting guys for jump shots, cutters, going back door. Just fantastic effort. And the reality is, Bellinois shoots a normal percentage that they normally shoot. He probably has 15 assists. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really impressive thing that he's been able to do. He's really come on, and now he's on the NBA first-round draft radar. And he's a guy who's moved up that that number, and that, that's just what you do. He's really developed as a player, and in this is junior season. Yeah, when you see a triple-double, that's, that's pretty astounding. But when you see a – a turnover or assist to turnover ratio of five assists to one turnover. That's pretty incredible. And then when you tell, you tell them that's the six ten guy, you know, that's, where, that's where the opposing team just shakes their head. And, you know, I mean, cause th- that was a, that was a decent, I'm not saying it's a great, that was a decent Syracuse team that Illinois dismantled and they didn't even look like they were working up a super sweat. I mean, that's impressive. Well, just just the, we're going to talk with Chester Frazier here in a few minutes about that. But just the uh, again, the length and athleticism uh, we saw it in in with against UCLA with the, you know since they're coming in and and wearing them down, and they did that. Well, you've got a guy six ten uh, right there in the middle, and as Underwood talked about, and we'll hear from him, him in a moment. He just made the the right passes time and time again to make this work. And I think what great confidence for Coleman. That's the thing is that we know he can shoot. He's shown signs of it. You feel like perhaps if you're a, an Illinois fan that he uh, has turned the corner perhaps, and we'll see uh, what he can do later. Understand that he doesn't have to always score um, to make things happen. And certainly he did that again, 15, 10 and 10, um, just the fifth uh, ever. Of course, I O again, doing it twice uh, to make it happen. And we'll see um, how, where he goes from here. Quick timeout. We talked about uh, Brad Underwood and we will hear from him coming up again. This segment presented by Busey bank. You're listening to the sports spectacular here along the Atlanta guys radio network at Busey wealth management. We're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. 
This is Jack Trudeau, the all-time leading passer for the Illinois Fighting Illini, here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Right back here again, Illini taking on Maryland in a top 25 matchup. We didn't see that coming when the season began. Maryland going into Friday night 7-0, and uh, they're playing at home there in uh, College Park. And again, we've got uh, complete pre- and post-game coverage for you on IlliniGuys.com. Back to Tuesday night, and uh, Brad Underwood talking about uh, his team's play. And our very own Brad Sturdy asking a question about uh, one of the transfers and just what he means to this team. Matt Meyer, um, at the end of the game, I noticed you were giving him, you know, commending him because of him diving on the floor. Is that kind of the what? How winner, yeah. winner. He is a winner. He knows all about winning. It doesn't matter the score. It doesn't matter. The, you know, he made those same plays in the UCLA game. Dove on the floor in a, in a UCLA game. Uh, he saved a, an out of bounds pass against the press against UCLA and and good things are coming. I mean, Matt's I told him he may have to get his mullet back to get that jump shot to fall because he's getting great looks and he's making them in practice um, and he's he's working at it. But, you know, you, you know, that's what we brought Matt in here for. I mean, he's Matt knows how to win. He knows what it takes. And, and he's done that since high school. Derek, the crowd seemed to be trying to will Coleman to shoot a little more in the middle of that zone. How did you kind of assess his approach there? And he got turned it up a little bit more in the second half. Aggressively. Yeah, but it was it was it was about being patient and making the right reads. Sure, he could have shot probably thirty balls tonight, but again, it, it, a smart player knows. Let me give my teammates some good looks, and uh, we had a pretty good Colgate. Um, against them, put a guy in there who couldn't shoot and just did a lot of the same things. And again, it's, it's a tribute to Coleman because he would rather make the pass than the shot. And, uh, uh, and yet he's a very good shooter. So uh, he's, he's very unselfish that way. And, and yet when the opportunities were there, I thought in the second half, he, he took some of the right ones. Coach in the back. Brad, 100 wins at Illinois. What does it mean to hit that milestone? Yeah, a lot of really good players, um, a lot of great, great coaches, uh, administration who who helped us survive early. Um, it doesn't happen. It's you know I'm the beneficiary of of that. Uh, I'm I'm grateful. Um, I've said it many times. There, I cu- I couldn't imagine doing it anyplace else. Um, I love this place. I love our fans. I love the fact that you all care about us enough to 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 write about us and and follow us. Um, and, you know, I hope there's 100 more and counting, um, you know, in, in the future. I, I think this program can elevate to, to levels that we haven't seen yet. Uh, there were some hard times, and I don't forget those. Um, you know, I hope the next 100 don't take as long as this one, though. And that's, you know, that means we've, we've sus- sustained a level of success that we didn't have the first two years. Right. Coach, you always talk about Coleman and finding that balance between you know being a playmaker and also a shooter. How do you think he did tonight in that category? I thought he was great. You know, I thought he. You know, again, um, I think every scenario is different, and tonight was a night that I thought he. I thought he, the game demanded him to facilitate. Um, there's going to be nights when instead of making nine, we're going to make 19 of those shots. And uh, again, we've just been a little, little bit off. But I think Coleman generates most of those, and we got good looks. So I, uh, you know, there's nights I got to tell him to, you know, I don't know, one of the early games he didn't shoot, 
And, you know, like, that's not acceptable. You know, you can be, the, you can be a bad player by being unselfish. And, and, but tonight he was, he was tremendous. Scott? Did you have the sense that this was a team that defensively wouldn't let those missed shots maybe weigh them down? I don't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, we found that out a little bit in, you know, our secret scrimmage. We found that out a little bit in, in what was the first game we were one for, or UMKC, or one of the, what was one of those games we were one for 18, yet we still guard. Um, that's all we talk about, though. That's all we how – do, how do we win when, we, when, we, when you don't make shots? Because it's coming. Um, I can't – we can only get them really good shots. We can't make them for them. And and so we better figure out how to win. And I thought we did a solid job on the offensive glass, and then we 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 did that. So uh, I don't know if I had a feeling for that, but that's that's one of the things we've always tried to do. And now we're trying to get this team to take the next step, which is just win possessions, simplify it. We didn't score. We better get a stop so we don't lose that possession. And and you know it's what we talked about in the last media timeout. Hey, let's get a basket. And let's go down and get a stop. And that's how you build leads. That's how you come back from deficits. And and we got to sometimes think different, but we're doing a pretty good job of it so far. I think that Underwood thinks Matthew Myers a winner. I, I could be wrong that he's all about winning. I, I, I may be wrong. Maybe I misunderstood. But no, I, I think what a lot of people get caught up in points and a lot of people get caught up in, you know, a shot going in. What you have to be able to do is you have to do the play the game, and, and sometimes the ball doesn't go in. It doesn't matter how good you are. Even the best players in the world have bad shooting nights. You've got to do the other things. You got to be diving on the floor. You got to rebound. You got to get play defense. All those things. You got to you know distribute the ball, play unselfishly, and and that's what a winner does. And that's Matthew Meyer. He make, but I, I do think Meyer, although he's struggling a little bit from the field, he's going to make some plays this year where you're going to be like, okay, that's why Illinois wanted him so badly in the portal. Yeah, and, and that ability to – first off, the ability to read somebody that you have is, is nothing short of amazing, Brad. Um, but with, as we look at um, what Underwood was talking about, you know, as a coach, this team is doing some of those things early in the season that he's had to coax and coach and cajole out of other teams. This upcoming stretch of games, you know, including Texas, including a couple games in the Big Ten – is going to be fantastic to kind of measure where the team is. I don't know that they're going to go, you know, three and O, but we'll certainly get to see what they have to work on and what they've accomplished relatively quickly in this season. Illinois going into Friday night already of their uh, wins. Uh, five of them have been by 25 points or more. Um, it's a team right now that's doing very well. And now the win over Syracuse won the first one of that variety against a power five opponent up next. We've got the coach Chester Frazier stops by our coaches corner talking about uh, this uh, big start so far. And again, the stretch coming up ahead, it is not for the faint of heart, uh, but this is for sports fans everywhere. This is a sports spectacular. We're back with more after this. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. 
This segment presented by OSF Healthcare here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Joined here on the Coach's Corner with Coach Chester Frazier in his second year in Champaign. Back the uh, bleeding orange and blue since he was a player back in the day and now doing his thing on the sidelines. Hey, Coach, uh, glad to, good to have you here on the show. Hey, you've got this team um, really clicking right now, and it's it, we, we talk each week. It's fun to see you guys uh, with so much talent, but also with everyone, it seems like right now, really dialed in and everyone is on the same page, and that's fun to watch with this much talent. Yeah, man. Um, like, like you said, we, we have a lot, of, a lot of depth, a lot of weapons. Uh, just fun seeing everybody go out there and compete and play hard and contribute to winning. Hey, uh, Chad, I, I got to ask, like, you've got so many young guys, and I know that usually for younger players, defense is like the, the biggest learning curve. But with your guys, these freshmen, whether it's Sky Clark or, you know, Ty Rogers, Sincere, these guys have come in, and even Jaden, to a certain extent, have come in and just really been solid defensively. I, can you talk about their uh, defensive progression? Well, they, they, they understand the game. Uh, for one, they've all they've all been demanded to defend uh, at previous stops in high school. Um, and then we're you know, we're, we're really hard on them defensively in practice. So they're growing up they're, they're You know, they're handling our schemes. Uh, we're switching a lot. So it allows us to stay out of rotations and and uh, keep a body on the body. So it, it, it really is not a hard, a hard ask for a guy to stay a man on a man switch, um, you know, fight in the post. And it's not too much to it. We're pressing, so you're playing a short shot clock defensively in the half, half court. So it's not too it's not too much to, to get these guys to defend uh, for 13, 14 seconds, to be honest. <laughs> you know, Chester, a couple questions. You know, first off, you kind of almost function as like a defensive coordinator almost for the basketball team. Can you describe that a little bit? And then um, are you actively calling up Ryan Walters, trying to explain to him after – the defense this team is playing that there might be a, a, another sheriff in town, so to speak, when it comes to <laughs> no, defensive coaches. No, no. It, it, and again, man, this is, uh, you know, my title is defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I just, you know, my job is to make sure we're ready, make sure we're guarding the right stuff, uh, taking away actions and personnel and, uh, you know, basically doing what we do, man. It's, it's not too much uh, deviating from what we do. Uh, minor slight adjustments game to game but uh, no man I stay in my lane man I, I I stay up every night we got to scout watch the tape watch the film get these guys prepared and mostly just making sure we're playing hard man that's that's really my biggest thing if we if we play hard and, and we take away teams top actions and, and top players most nights we're gonna have success now we got to rebound the basketball finish each possession with a, with a rebound and, you know it, it's been working for us so far man I'm anxious to see us against um, obviously some teams with some different challenges, some size, some different type of personnel with Dante Scott, obviously, uh, I'm anxious to see us take on those challenges. Talking here with coach Chester Frazier, the Illini men's basketball team here on this newsmaker segment presented by, uh, OSF healthcare, uh, coach, we will be transparent. We are talking to you, uh, to record this before you hop the plane and, and go to Maryland. And so for some of our listeners, that game will be over. And again, coverage on IlliniGuys.com. But talk about in terms of, you mentioned a Dante Scott, and that's what I see different about this team right now. Last year, and you know better than I do, your backcourt goes 6'1", six, 6'1", six, almost 6'3". You're now 6'3", 6'6", 6'7". And that's a thing to see you guys play against UCLA, against Virginia, against Syracuse. That size um, is readily apparent from the moment the ball is tipped up, just the difference in the things you can do defensively with that kind of length. 
Yeah, we're we're like like you said, man. We're we're long on the on the, on the wings and at the guard spot. We're quick. We're athletic, so we're able to we're able to move our feet in, in some positions uh, that we we weren't great at last year. And obviously, you know, doing some different things, you know, without you know Kofi, uh, in in the middle, you know, we're more mobile with Coleman, but um, you know, sure was a luxury having the big guy knowing that he's going to get those <laughs> rebounds, but. <laughs> um, no, the, like you said, we're, we're able to switch a lot of things that we weren't able to last year. Now, Trent was Trent was phenomenal, man. I mean, um, having a guy like Trent Frazier that, that can just be a lockdown defender is a luxury. I was that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being able to keep a body on a body in today's game, you stay out of rotations, you don't give up threes, and, and it should help your rebounding because you're, you're not in rotation. So that was the theory behind it. We're long, we're, we're athletic. Why not uh, play this way? Chet, I got a. Uh, I was wondering uh, when I, you look at last year. It was your first year with this, with you know, Coach Underwood, and but of course you had like a veteran team who'd been there, for, you know, before. This year you've got kind of this coaching staff has the continuity, but you got a lot of new guys. What's been the biggest change for you this year? I mean, not much, man. I mean, I, I think it's a different, different type of relationship. You, you, you know, because you recruited these guys. So you, you recruited them and you, you have a different type of relationship. You're coming in cold uh, with those guys. They were already they already knew the way things worked and how things. So now you're grooming these guys. And, and the, the, those guys last year were great. You didn't have to teach too much to these guys last year. This year is teaching, teaching, teaching film, always being around them, making sure they're learning. Last year, that, that, that group was pretty easy because they they knew everything. You know, now you, the different challenge is, okay, terminology. These guys don't know anything, you know. <laughs> so you're starting from scratch. You almost assume assume they know nothing when they touch campus because they don't. So uh, you're starting from ground zero with those young guys. And then you're adding, you know, transfer guys that, that, that are new just as well as the young guys. So um, it's a fairly new team. And it, it was – it works because – you know, you had your veterans, Coleman, uh, Luke, RJ, you know, if you want to call those two sophomores veterans, but um, it works because nobody came in with the ego. They, they all wanted to learn. They wanted to work. And it my our job is just to foster those relationships, build chemistry, be around those guys, be in the gym with them. And, and, you know, you can see the fruits of the labor working right now. And as a coach, how uh, difficult is it to build relationships with so many new players in one season, that's a little different in with the um, transfer portal world. Well, no, I, I just think it takes time, man. The, the, the biggest gift you can give someone is your time. And, you know, we, we spent countless of time with these guys. They're always up in the office. They're always watching film. They always want to be around. I, I think that's been the, the key is, you know, having those guys around and, you know, just always having their back. They're going to hit bumps in the road. You know, it's been hard. It hasn't been easy. Um, you know, you know, we go out to Vegas. We we don't know what we are yet. You know, we we win a big game, lose a close one. So, uh, be, and actually going on those type of trips, you're around those guys in a different environment, a different setting. So they get to see you in a different light. You know, hug on them, joke with them, sit at the dinner table, and, and have a good time. So you build those relationships throughout the year. But it hasn't been too hard. You know, just because you go out of your way to make relationships with new people and you welcome into your family, and you know, you got to make sure you spend the time with. Them. Coach, I've got about 30 seconds. Uh, last question for you here. You've got this stretch coming up, Maryland, Texas, in New York, back home against Penn State. Woo! How excited are you right now about the challenges ahead, knowing how far you guys have come already and um, how high the ceiling is for this team moving forward? 
I'm excited because, you know, we need to be tested. We need to be bad. We need to battle. You know, we need to see another jersey, um, you know, and, and then it's a league game. It's another league game. And, you know, obviously our goal is to win the Big Ten. And, you know, what better way to do it than a, a true road game in a hostile environment with, with these guys. So I think we'll be ready to play. These guys are juiced up. They're ready. Um, we're going to have them ready to fight. Um, and we'll lay our best foot forward, man. You know, they know we have their back, win or lose. So they're going to give us everything they got. You guys are fun to watch. Coach Chester Frazier, we appreciate your time. We know you are busy, family, uh, recruiting, prep, everything else. So uh, we are humbled when you take a few minutes, uh, you and Tim and Jeff, to stop and talk with us. Uh, good luck this weekend and next week, and we'll catch up with you soon here in the Sports Spectacular. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for you, guys. You got Thanks, it. Thanks, Coach. Assistant Coach Chester Frazier, the Atlanta men's basketball team. Again, uh, the Maryland game coming up in College Park Friday night, and uh, be sure to check that out. Again, we've got coverage for you pregame and postgame. Uh, on uh, right there on alanaguys.com. What's our website? Yeah, it's alanaguys.com. And then, of course, next week, uh, Brad will be at the Garden MSG as Illinois takes on Texas in the Jimmy V Classic. We can't wait for that one. Stay here with us. Much more to come here on the Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. We want to bring in someone that we've actually been trying to, to um, work out our schedules uh, to get her on the show. Um, we hear so much about her. We're like, okay, we're intrigued. Let's learn more about Kylie Fletcher. She is the women's basketball strength and conditioning coach at the University of Illinois. Um, coach, welcome. And by the way, congratulations um, on this great start. It's been so much fun, uh, not just to watch you guys, but also get to know uh, some of the newer members of the staff and, and the new players. It's really an exciting time for the program. It is. Yes. Thank you for, for having me. I, I'm glad the schedule's finally, finally worked out and we could, uh, we could chat. So it's really interesting. Um, we had an opportunity in the media to look, uh, to look at the new facility and yes. the, the training, the training is phenomenal. Yes. Can you, can you put a couple things into perspective for me? First one is, is just overall, you know, what feedback did did you have in terms of the selection of, of what was, you know, actually put in there? And then the second thing is, what type of advantage will this provide for the women's program because of the cutting edge technology that you had a part yeah. of getting in here? Yeah, we really had uh, Fletchy and I both had a big a big say in, in what went in the room. Obviously, we're in there day in and day out, so we needed it to make sense, you know, for everything that we uh, did from a training standpoint. So we had a lot of say um, with everything that went in there. We wanted obviously a great deal of of open space, um, and obviously we got that from you know the old oven to what we have now is is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, to to us, we had the one of the, the top uh, basketball facility um, in the country as far as space, um, as far as all of the technology um, that we have, the recovery space that we're in the works. Um, so the spring floor that we have, it's a big, it's a big hit. Um, 
that we have on there. I don't know that any other facility has that in the country. We're able to do a lot of our, you know, warm up plyometrics on that. It's obviously a lot easier on your, on your joints. And uh, it's a little bit of fun as well, yeah. which is always a, always a plus. That got me teased because when I bounced on it, one of the DIA guys go, hey, hey, bud, it's not made for that weight load. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so a big, like... that's a big hit so far. Uh, that's been the, the main hit as well as that full wall of of windows, all of that natural yeah. light that comes in. Um, I've never had a window in any of the weight rooms I've ever, ever worked in. So that's uh, some little things in life, right? Some windows. It's been uh, it's, it's it's great. It's an awesome facility. And and your offices are at opposite ends of the facility. Now, is that so that, uh, you know, at home you can talk to one another and then at work <laughs> you don't have to? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Uh, actually, it's funny that you say that we've we've shared a, an office, you know, since we've we've worked at Illinois. So to have separate offices um, is has been a nice a nice change. Um, but obviously it's obviously, you know, how the, the building is set up with him being on the men's side and me being on the women's side. It's it's nice to have our our own space. And and for those listening who who don't know, if you didn't pick up on the last name, <laughs> Kylie's husband is Adam Fletcher or Fletch, who was on the show a few yes. weeks ago. He is the men's basketball strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, but it, that is an interesting dynamic, I, I'm sure, in terms of um, I'm sure you probably met in the gym right how did how did you guys meet how did this love affair yeah we met we um we worked together um at Towson uh for a bit before he got the job at at Illinois and um I actually when he got the job at Illinois I actually took his job at Towson um for a bit and it's one of those you know the old cliche you know your friends first and it becomes something more so he got the job here at Illinois um for a bit and then we just stayed in contact and here we are, here we are now. So married and with a, with a two-year-old daughter. So, and obviously with, we're very fortunate to be able to work together and it's been, uh, it's been awesome. It, it's awesome to um, hear the players talk about both of you, but I really want to focus on, on you. Um, as you know, Adalia is, we call her the Illini gal. She's been on the show now um, since, uh, since February. And she's just such a great um, piece, her personality and her charm. Yes. Yes. Uh, such a yes. big part of our show. We get excited when it's time to have a Dahlia on. Yes. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She, she just raves about you. What is that like? I'm sure that at the same time, um, I think it's a great gift for Illinois that the two of you can bring your talent and expertise. Um, and I'm sure again, it's a labor of love where, um, you can talk about this, not just at work, but in this case also at home and that strengthens both programs. Absolutely. Um, we do that obviously pretty frequently. Um, you know, whether it's, just talking about the team in general or from a programming, um, you know, conditioning standpoint, um, you know, I don't probably most people don't really know, uh, but I, I've I've helped with the men's, you know, conditioning program probably the past three years now. So making that transition with coach uh, Green and her wanting to go more up tempo and play fast, that was a an easy, you know, easy component because, you know, I've been helping out with the with the men's side. So. Um, you know, we definitely talk about it a lot, um, you know, as far as, as everything goes, conditioning, uh, you know, how the team is doing, uh, you know, the relationships, obviously you build with the players. So yeah, it's a, it's a frequent conversation in the, in the Fletcher household. <laughs> well, and, and looking at your resume, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, some, some sports fans get a little cavemanish and I'm looking at your thing and you, you have worked not just with, you know, 
women's teams. You've worked with men's teams as well. Um, is yeah. there is there a difference, you know, when you're having to deal with a male athlete versus a female athlete, or is it pretty much you treat I, the same way? Yeah, and I treat from a, from a programming standpoint. You definitely, um, to me, it's it's definitely it's definitely the same. I think the biggest thing, um, you know, with men's teams is is your confidence and your assertiveness. I think plays a big part. You know, you never know how they're going to respond to a female telling you to to do something. I've been fortunate that all of the men's teams that I've worked with have responded well to me and, um, you know, trust what I do and what I have to say. So I've definitely been fortunate in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest piece isn't really the the training piece. It's more so the, you know, relationship aspect of it and making sure that you're assertive, um, you know, have that confidence you can control the room. Um, I think is probably the, the biggest difference. Interesting. You know, my I had two trainers when I lived in D.C. and one was a former soccer player at Towson um, and she was fantastic. And then there was a guy I worked with as well. And I loved them both the same. I mean, they both were fantastic and she yeah. did key, and he was more was more strength and, and it was a great mix. And uh, I wish I could get that back. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was told I live, I don't live in D.C. anymore. Well, Larry, Larry yeah. most of us don't have one trainer, let alone two. Well, <laughs> unique situation. And that's the, uh, another time. Nobody cares about you're this. lucky. Brad's not on the show <laughs> well, right he now. He would. He would. Brad taking this thing off. He would. He would light me up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about this year's team coach and and just the 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 difference in this. And again, we're always very careful that that we're we're, we're not trying to um, you know in any way minimize what previous uh, coaches have done. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, there is a fresh energy here, and it seems that the the players are in, and even the fans and the the community are really responding to what's happening right now in the early stages of uh, of Coach Green's program. Yeah, Coach Green has been uh, phenomenal. Um, you know, she's a, a great leader. She brings a great energy, competitiveness. Um, and I think the community, obviously, our players have really bought into everything that that she um, has said and, and talked about. So um, it's been it's been great. She's awesome to work for. I'm you know thankful that she's you know continued to give me the opportunity to work with the team. And um, it's been it's been great. It's been a, a fun change. And obviously, you know, the community can can see the fans have I've heard nothing but you know awesome things. They say you know the girls look great, which is always always nice to be able to to hear from from someone else so when you're sitting on the bench you know you got the basketball coaches you know they're worried about execution and they're worried about what the team is doing from a from a strength and conditioning coach and you're sitting there watching the game yeah how does that perspective change what are you looking for i mean obviously you want the Illini to win you want them to do of well course, but, course, but what yeah. are, what's what's going through your mind from your different perspective i think the main thing you know that i i'm really focused on especially with coach green is you know making sure that we're in great shape you know she wants to play up tempo so making sure that those girls can play you know a strong 3 to 5 minute stretch and they're not you know losing um, any of that. So I think that's the main thing, um, for me, as well as, you know, I'm looking to see how our girls are, are moving, you know, do we, what can specific girls, um, work on, have they improved with some of the things that we have tried to work on? Um, you know, Brent Chupil, you know, a big focus with her this off season was her lateral quickness on, on defense. And, um, you know, coaches said that she's made big strides and obviously, 
I, I, I value her opinion, obviously, right? So um, it's been great to, to hear that those things have, have transferred to what we've done in the offseason, and, and she's seeing that uh, on the court now. I'm curious how, and this is a, not just directed to you, but you and Fletch uh, as as a unit, um, how parenthood has has changed things for you um, with one, I think with with coaches overall, it is just yeah, right? you put so much time in and you, and you have so many demands on your time um, that parenthood with it, with all of us, it always changes things, but certainly for you guys, it's it's unique. How has that changed your approach and 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 life and and everything? Yeah, what a great question. Um, a, a multitude of things, obviously. Um, you know, Fletch's I Fletch and I's communication was already at a pretty high level, but now it has to be, you know, even more so with, you know, we have different practice schedules. He's in the morning, I'm in the afternoon, you know, who's going to get Maddie from daycare. Um, so communication has to be at a at a very elite uh level for us. Um, as well as, you know, I think it's important from a recruiting standpoint. Um, you know, I always share that I have a daughter and that, you know, I'm going to treat their daughter just as I would want a coach, you know, to treat mine, um, you know, with as far as love and accountability and, you know, trying to get them to reach their their potential. Um, so I know that I've hit on that from a recruiting standpoint um, and also very thankful for for grandparents that are willing to travel. And, you know, for instance, um, you know, there's been plenty of times that, you know, Fletch and I are both on the road. Um, and obviously Maddie cannot stay by herself as a, a two-year-old at home. So very fortunate for grandparents, Oops. <laughs> you know, yeah, very fortunate for grandparents that are, you know, able to travel, um, and spend time with her while we're both, uh, both on the road. Yeah. That, that, that was going to be my next question is how you manage that. I, in the sales world, I was gone 200 nights a year, but my wife's job didn't require travel. Right. So we yeah. didn't, she just got all the responsibility and then I just left, you know, and didn't really pay attention. <laughs> um, how did you, when, when you were, you know, working, um, you know, to get your uh, exercise science degree, mm-hmm. yep. was, did you have in mind a clear vision of what you wanted to do with your future? I did if, not. So how did you, how did you decide this was where you wanted to be? Uh, you, you know, I really always, um, obviously love sports, um, growing up. And, um, I tell the story that I really got into strength and conditioning because I was a decent, pretty good basketball player. Um, and I was just really small, um, and didn't know anything about lifting weights or that there was even a strength coach that that was even, um, a thing. So I like to say that, you know, I, I'm a strength coach now because I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that spot where, yeah, they could probably like, play, but from a physical standpoint, the demands, I just wasn't, I wasn't cut out for it. So, um, I figured out that there was actually a profession that you could do lifting and exercising and work with athletics. I'm like, this is a, this is a dream job. Um, as well as I was very fortunate to, like you said, work with a variety of sports, which I really enjoyed working with, you know, the different, uh, sports that I was able to work with. And now obviously to be able to, to work with your husband and, and basketball is definitely my first love. So it's, it's been an absolute uh, blessing to be able to, to do it. Well, it's a thrill to have you as part of the staff. It's a real treat for us. Like I said, to get a chance to know you a little bit better and um, hearing all the stories from Medallia and and the coaching staff and, and again, talking to Fletch a few weeks ago. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, we're excited that uh, you've got this team ready to get into big 10 play this weekend with the game at Indiana and, uh, and moving forward. 
Um, we appreciate your time and hopefully you'll, you'll come by again uh, later on and talk with us some more. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I really, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Kylie Fletcher. She's the strength and conditioning coach for the women's basketball team and also the men's team at Illinois. Let's make sure uh, folks give her her props. <laughs> we'll take a quick time out right here. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Uh, because of what we teach in our program, we teach a lot about football, but we kind of have some things walking in and walking out. I always tell our players, I need you to be at your best when it's at its worst, right? So that was my message to them last night, right? When it was at its worst for me, uh, I need to be at my best for them. Uh, and on the flip side, they needed to pick me up, and, and obviously they did that tenfold. That's a lot. I football coach Brett Bielema reflecting on these past couple of weeks. Uh, boy, they were tough for Coach B. Uh, lost his mom and then his father-in-law just days apart. Uh, just a, an amazing uh, revelation after the Northwestern game last week that, that he wasn't around the team from Tuesday morning when he got the phone call about his father-in-law to Friday night, just hours before the game. Uh, what a testament to uh, the players and coaches alike. Yeah, really, uh, just an impressive group of individuals. The, this coaching staff, very cohesive. I mean, you, how many teams can not have their head coach? It also shows he has confidence in those guys to get the job done, even when he's away. And they were great support for him. The team supported him. Um, I was really impressed with everybody involved as they went through this difficult time. And, um, you know, for you know, rough time for him, I, I feel, you know, we send our you know best wishes to Brett and his family as they're going through this, but man, what a, they made it. And then they made a statement win uh, on Saturday, even going through all that. So it's very impressive. Yeah. And any organization, you know, if you do a good job as its leader in theory, you should be able to step away and they shouldn't miss a beat. And that's probably the greatest tribute you can have as a leader is that actually works out that way. And it's really indicative of the organizational and developmental uh, job that he's done. Hate to get all corporate America here, but that's hard to pull off. So uh, tip of the hat to Coach B and tip of the hat to the staff and team for taking care of business. More on Bielema in just a few minutes. Well, we said goodbye this week to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, It is no more dating back to 1999, but with ESPN getting shut out of the massive new Big Ten media deals that starts next summer. This was really uh, wasn't talked about when all that went down earlier this fall, but this was this was inevitable. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, it's sad because, you know, you see some great matches. I'll be honest with you. I thought this year they did a really poor job putting teams together and who played who. But overall, it's been over over the years. It's been a pretty good uh, it's been a pretty good event. It's been fun to see, you know, top ranked teams from two different conferences go head to head um, in a, you know, a challenge format. And we've seen some great matchups, great games over the years. And I, hopefully we can see some home and home events between some of these teams that, that they can put together now with the big 10 ACC challenge itself being uh, taken away. It sounds like they're doing a ACC SEC challenge. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, the, and of course the big 10, big 12 challenge, will be exciting to kind of replace that as well. So, um, you know, but but I, I will say that, you know, you go back over the years and think about some of the big games that we've watched and some of the classic moments, um, we'll, we'll miss that. And as Brad said, maybe we'll see 
you know, teams like um, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Indiana, you know, scheduling the Dukes, North Carolinas, et cetera. Maybe we'll get a chance to see some of those uh, over the years, but it's definitely going to be a difference. Yeah, I, I kind of like a, a Big Ten, Big 12 matchup. And I think later, depending on what happens with conference realignment, um, you know, maybe some other matchups too, that uh, there could be a lot of fun uh, with that. So, well, I'm curious. So the, the games are done now. The ACC winning pretty handily. As you said, kind of some strange matchups here. Um, who are some teams that you think uh, helped themselves and actually won uh, for themselves this week? Well, I think Illinois showed that they're they're legit. Um, I, I think that they, you know, the, you know, huge 30 point win over Syracuse. Um, I was, you know, for me, Maryland beat Louisville, but Louisville is not very good. Obviously as we know <laughs> I, I, my big winner, another big winner for me, Wake Forest winning at Wisconsin, really yeah. good win for the demon Deacons. Uh, I thought that was good. Uh, a little disappointing for Wisconsin. The Virginia Michigan game was really exciting. And, and what I'll say about that is I thought Michigan played about as well as they can play. And yet they still um, they still lost to Virginia at home. So that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I, Chris Murray, I mean, I always got another Murray who's fantastic. Um, I, I think Michigan State was kind of a no-show. Um, that was kind of a disappointing effort against Notre Dame. But, you know, Indiana beats North Carolina. But remember, North Carolina was number one at the beginning of the season. They're not that good. And, <laughs> and, and I hate to say – I said this before the year because yeah. – and if you recall, we can go back and call this. I said this because everyone referred to them as the team that lost the national championship game instead of the team that was an eight seed. Right. right. You know, I mean, they had a great run. Don't get me wrong. For five games, yeah. they were fantastic. Yeah. But they were an eight seed. They're playing like an eight seed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. As, as Denny Green would have said, they they are who we, <laughs> we thought, thought they, they were. were. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yes. And, um, uh, you know, as I look at it, I guess I was relatively shocked by um, uh, I just didn't see Michigan State, you know, stubbing their toe quite like that. Um, I really was was hoping to see UNC give a better, uh, you know, accounting of themselves. But you play a tough Indiana team and you play them on the road. That, that's not an easy thing. Uh, and And also, I guess. I, I'm a big proponent of that Ohio State team with the talent that they have, and um, I thought you had to tip your cap. I wasn't certain if Duke could handle them. I know it was at home, but nonetheless, they still kept that comfortable lead for most of the second half. Yeah, I thought I was really impressed with Virginia again. That you, like I said, they Michigan battled them as well as they could. Michigan is uh, not ranked, but but they're a top twenty-five caliber program, right? I mean, with. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, you know, one of the better players in the country. Um, you know, but again, Jed Howard, Jed Howard's really good. And Jed Howard's oh, yeah. really good. Yeah, and and he showed off. And I think that's the thing that even though Michigan lost, I think the Wolverines may have gained something in playing and a loss to Virginia, much as we saw Illinois the same way when they lost to Virginia. So um, I thought kind of a win for both of those. Um, a win for Duke. I think that John Shire and this program needed to get a big win. Uh, they don't play ranked non-conference teams at home very often. I mean, I think the one against uh, Illinois a couple of years ago was was the first in years. It just never happens. Um, but that that was a big win for that program um, because if you lose that, you know, a lot of questions already early on for John Shire, who, as we've talked about, has just been put in an impossible uh, situation. Like what Illinois did, I think Illinois' defensive effort was really um, one of the 
the underrated, I think. It was more about Bayheim and what they didn't do and how they couldn't score. Give some credit to the Illinois defense. They've got a lot of athletes there. Um, and then the same with Indiana, like you said, big win at home, um, you know, to cap this off. So supposedly the marquee game, I guess, of this whole series. But like you said, like with North Carolina and like with uh, Kentucky and like with Gonzaga, how good are these teams? I mean, you can't really rely on preseason rankings uh, the way you could before. It's just not the same. They're just going to put the same teams in the top 10 just because. So um, really impressed with them. I, I thought, again, same thing, Michigan State disappointing, Wisconsin disappointing. I thought those were two teams that really just didn't show up and kind of hurt themselves in this. Yeah, I agree. Agree with you completely. Yeah, and disappointing is and, and I was also, to be honest with you, based on the way those coaches get their teams prepared, I was really surprised too. I just I didn't see that coming, you know. And the other thing is is taking over at UNC and taking over at Duke for a legend. I don't know that you want to be the coach who follows a legend in no. general fashion. You know usually, what I mean? Usually doesn't work out. But uh, you no, know, the, the the pay is pretty good though. So, I, so it, it so, is. I, I've I've agreed to go ahead and take that job. Um, for just for a couple of years, just, to, <laughs> but they, you know, so I, but I do have to say, I, I go back, I'm going to harp on this again. Remember when Virginia lost in the first round and everybody made fun of them? Yeah. But they were one seed, right? Right. What happened the next year? They won it all. Yeah. That's what one seeds do. They, yeah. they, 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 they stay that way. Eight seeds don't. Okay. So I'm done. I'm <laughs> off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox. Well, I think we all agree Virginia's the team to beat in the ACC. I mean, am I, am I right? I mean, yeah, they are. They're the they're they're so disciplined. Um, defensively, they're always in the right spot. They're old. Um, they're veteran. They've got guys who've been there. I mean, that's exactly the kind of team that wins with Tony Bet. You know, if you look on Pomeroy, they're actually favored to win every game the rest of the season. Already, really, they're favored oh. on. You know, and that that's rare. And that's home and away. And yeah, some of them are close. Don't get me wrong. They play Houston at home. That's going to be a tough one. And they've got a, you know, a couple at Virginia Tech will be tough at Duke, of course, you know, at North Carolina, rather, that'll be tough. Um, but yeah, but they're favored to win every game. But you know what? Again, we talked about this even last year. The ACC is not what they used to be. I mean, no. you know, I mean, you, you, we may get to again, first of February and have two ranked teams in the ACC. I mean, and maybe not even that. I mean, and you know what? It may be a, we could get to February and have two ranked teams and neither one be Duke or North Carolina. That's true. Yeah. How about that? Well, we we know one of them is going to be Virginia. Exactly. And, and it was very interesting to watch, you know, coach Bennett, you know, cause he, he was relaxed that whole game against Michigan. He was not, um, he didn't look nervous at all. He looked, he, he was much more, intense and agitated against Illinois, um, that team is going to do some real damage in the ACC this year. Kudos as well. Before we go to break to the Purdue Boilermakers, uh, fifth in the country, they survive a little bit of a test with Florida State, but the big, big wins uh, last weekend, uh, taking down Gonzaga and Duke and that tournament out there in Portland, uh, silencing all the critics who were asking about the Big Ten this year. Well, uh, the Big Ten uh, said, yeah, we're, we're right here. Seven teams ranked already in the Big Ten here in the opening three weeks. Um, and they've uh, delivered some of the biggest knockout punches uh, in this uh, early week, early part of this uh, college basketball season. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to find my tongue and we're going to talk some more after this. <laughs> Stay with us. I got it. It's right here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank a you. tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way. 
creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. I know the way we play is a physical type of game, and I think offensively we'll have a huge jump next year, just anything Barry in the system, and um, obviously with the players that we got returning, um, I think we can make a huge jump. And then defensively we have some players to replace uh, through through roster development on our roster right now, but probably also through the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, for instance, like at safety, where we're going to lose some key players, uh, there are four safeties that before we got here really hadn't done much in college football. Uh, Kirby Joseph drafted last year is now one of the best players, impact players in the league. And then you got three DBs uh, with, with Quan Spoon and, and uh, um, uh, Sid that are, are playing at the highest level of their positions, right? Like, I mean, it, sh it shows what we've been able to do. That didn't happen by chance. Those guys have been developed, they've been put in a scheme, and they're very productive. Hearing more there from Illini coach Brett Bielema, Illinois football finishing 8-4, and four, already the best season they've had since the 9-4 and four Rose Bowl year of 2007. Illini guys, football writer and analyst Matt Stevens is here. Uh, Matt, you know, we, we talked before about, again, November, and, and we had the piece on IlliniGuys.com this weekend about uh, that was a 25-day stretch that was just horrible in terms of three straight losses, um, two deaths personal to Brett Bielema and his his mother and father-in-law, um, and he got emotional certainly last Saturday talking about that. Um, but I think this is a team, again, that could look back and wonder what if they had a couple of things had gone their way, um, but still moving the program in the right direction, and as we just heard from him, he's excited about 2023 and this extra season of practice coming up here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I thought Brett put it really well after the win in Evanston was that he basically said, look, last year we were one win from bowl eligibility, and that's kind of where I wanted to be in year one. This year we were one win away from going to Indy. That's kind of where I wanted to go in year two. So we've kind of ended up, you know, having quote-unquote successful seasons. You'll never convince Brett Bielema that year one was successful, um, even though I think everybody else kind of wants to tell him that it was um, you'll never convince him that year two was successful because I think he believes they could have gotten to Indy very, very easily. And on that point, I think a lot of people will agree with him. And I think that will be the goal next year when for well, at least one more year, we're going to have divisions. And I think the, the honest to God goal will be Illinois to, if it's the last year of divisions, Illinois will take the Western division championship for the last time in big 10 history. And be a nice noteworthy feat for Illinois football. So I think that's the goal going in and they want to get to Indy. And um, I think that, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the steps of what Brett Bielema is. I talked about his five-year plan the minute he got hired. And, and I think this is part of it. And I think he, he sees where they can go, but he also sees where they've come. And um, I think both of those things are very important. Matt, how is, how important is it for him to bolster the depth on this team? It certainly seemed that, when they hit their snag, and really it was the two games, because I thought the Michigan game, they played fantastic. But the Michigan State and Purdue games, they didn't play their best. They looked like they were banged up. How important is him is that he adds depth through either recruiting or the transfer portal? Yeah, or player development, Brad. I think there's a lot of young guys that didn't see the field this year that, that I think they're going to be counting on a, a lot next year. Um, but you're right. December 5th, I, I'll, I'm actually working on it right now. It'll be up on Illini guys at some point. But December 5th is a big day for Illinois. And it's not a big day because I think Illinois is going to make a huge impact in the transfer portal. But that's the first day the transfer portal window opens. And I think Illinois is going to have some, some spots that they want to figure out 
who's going to fill in for say Johnny Newton, if he goes to the NFL and who could possibly fill in for a Devin Witherspoon when he go, when he goes to the NFL and, and if they want to add quarterback depth, um, that's that, that would be the perfect time to do it. So um, there's that. And I think that there's an early signing period on the 21st of December that you're going to see a lot of guys come in because I think they, there are a lot of guys in this 23 class that want to be a part of this spring ball um, and, and we'll have the chance to do that. So you're going to see a lot of depth building in the month of December before Illinois potentially ever plays in a bowl game for the 23 roster. Um, and I think you're also going to see that in bowl prep, bowl practices. Guys, they don't use 15 practices to prepare for Ole Miss or whatever game or whatever opponent they're going to see on that you know New Year's Day bowl game. They're using those 15 practices to prepare for the 23 season. And that's playing the younger guys that really didn't have a whole lot of snaps this year, but maybe got in for a few games and are going to have significant roles, especially I would say in the secondary of that Illinois defense. Though a lot of those younger guys are going to get coached up by Ryan Walters and, and Aaron Henry really big in the month of December. So when does the coaching staff have discussions with, uh, you know, Mr. Newton and Mr. Witherspoon, et cetera, to really get a determination on what they're going to do? Because the direction they take really affects what the team will do uh, overall. I would say that the exit interviews are happening, have happened, either happened or, or continually happening this week and probably into next week um, with the players. They'll meet with their position coaches. They'll meet with Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema will meet with probably all 85 scholarship players and probably more. Um, and they'll get an indication of, of what the plan is. Uh, for, for guys like Mike, for guys like Devin Witherspoon, we're, we're, you're trying to map out what do you want to do in December? Do you want to play in the bowl game? Do you want to practice? What do you want to do? Um, for guys like Johnny Newton, you've got some time. You know, January, I think 17th is the date in which they have to – early apply for the NFL draft. Um, so I think, or I think that's the last day that they can pull out of the draft um, before that they become committed to that. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversation between them and that date, but I think it's a pretty open dialogue, you know, between the coaches and the players in that regard. And I think they did that really, really well last year. And I think they'll do it again this year. And what a testament to this program. When you think about again, where this uh, program was two years ago when Brett Bielema first stepped on the campus and I believe it was 11 players um, getting all Big Ten mention, um, you know, Chase Brown, second team to get me started um, about that. But again, he's a finalist for the Doak Walker, Witherspoon, a finalist for the Jim Thorpe, as we talked about last hour. Um, you know, Ryan Walters, an assistant up for the Broyles Award, is the top assistant coach in the country. Um, I, you know, I mean, it is it is Witherspoon, the top defensive back in the conference. I mean, um, that just goes to show in terms of these are players and take nothing against them that weren't blue chip players coming out of high school. That just shows you the level of development that, that this program and that these players have enjoyed and under this coaching staff in a short amount of time. Yeah. How about the first time since I believe 1945, that five offensive linemen for Illinois have been named to an all big 10 team somehow, some way. Um, yeah. And, and I'm going back to 45 because then they start doing those positional groups where they might've played both ways and who knows if they played offense or defense. So for Bart Miller and Brett Bielema to develop five offensive linemen to get all Big Ten, when you know that's what Brett Bielema wants this program to be defined by, and I think maybe all five of them can. I, I oh No, I'm sorry, three of them can. I believe at least maybe two of them will be coming back next year. That's a big developmental piece for what Brett Bielema was trying to put together in the foundation of this program. Mike, do you have any insight into those uh, offensive linemen back when you were playing with Red Grange? 
Um, did any of them make? <laughs> they they were very very hungry men, and oh, I, I just didn't know if they were all conference back then or how that worked. We don't we don't know. We were eating. You, oh, beat okay. the, you beat me to the punch, Dirty. I was going to make the joke that I think these offensive linemen were on the meal plan that Mike was on when he was at the U of I. Well, there we all, are. Yeah, they were all all pizza. Uh, yeah. That's what they were yeah. back then. You you do what works, man. You know you <laughs> do what works. You, know, you do a little, you do a little you do a little pancake house in the morning, and you do a little papadellas in the afternoon. There you and go. That, man. Calorie wise. sounds like a challenge. And right. they, they and they all get fourth meal. Definitely all get fourth. <laughs> meal. <laughs> that's right. All right, guys, we got to run and get a commercial break here. As always, uh, Matt Stevens, great stuff this week, all season long on AtlantaGuys.com. We'll be back next week to talk about a bowl game. Um, and how special is that to be here in December talking about that? Matt Stevens, have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Matt's going somewhere warm in December. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He's already got his beachwear pack to go down to Tampa. So that's right. Uh, Matt Stevens, AlanaGuys.com, football writer and analyst, and doing great stuff for us uh, all the time. Hey, stay with us. She's the Illini gal, and she is a leading scorer for a team that's been killing it lately. Adalia McKenzie's next on the Sports Spectacular. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. This is Jeff Alexander, assistant basketball coach for the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Well, let's get first to some Illini football awards before we uh, move on here. Devin Witherspoon named the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. He's also a finalist, one of three finalists for the Jim Thorpe Award, which is uh, goes to the best defensive back in the country. Chase Brown, finalist for the Doak Walker as the top running back. Again, he is one of three as well. Um, all Big Ten selections coming out this week. 19 Illini on that list getting honored the most ever in a single season. Guys, when you go back to last year, there were 12, 31 over two years, and that is the most ever in a two-year span uh, for Illinois. What a credit to what Brett Bielema and this staff has done with this team. Oh, it's fantastic. And it just goes to show if you win games, you you get those individual accolades, and that's what it comes down to. I, I will say the one disappointing thing for me probably is that, uh, you know, Chase Brown, you know, only being second team all Big Ten because, I mean, yeah, he's just had a fantastic year. And everybody else, you can say that they missed time, but he battled through those games and put up big numbers even when he wasn't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
frustration of the darn red zone if they if they had been able yes. to pop a few more holes and get him in the end zone I think that might have closed the gap but I'll tell you what on the recruiting trail if you're a player and you see guys who weren't highly regarded that are killing it with postseason awards I'm going to pay attention to that no question about that hey meanwhile we should also mention uh, the Atlanta offensive line earlier this season uh, they are also the finalists for an award. Uh, I believe it's them in Michigan, right? The two finalists for the uh, top offensive line in the country. So a uh, lot of hardware uh, here and what a testament again to this program and the hard work by everyone involved. Uh, the Illini women's basketball team, what a get to them. Uh, you know, last week they were in Daytona Beach. Adalia joined us, told me she would get her Florida dubs, and she got one of two. Uh, second game, Delaware didn't go as well as the first game against Charlotte. We heard Coach Shauna Green saying earlier this week, that Delaware and Pitt played very similar styles, and she wanted to see what the team learned in the Delaware game, and they could apply it to the Pitt game. Well, we're happy to report Wednesday night they did that. Uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge at Pitt, and guys, Illinois just destroyed the Panthers. Yeah, they, you know, scoring over 90 points, uh, 14, I think it was 14 of 24 from three, wow. just lit it up. You know, they, they, they got, I mean, they were open looks and knocking them down, and they did a great job executing, but I think, um, you know, with Coach Green, I think defense is always what they hang their hat on, and they did a really good job. I think, you know, late, there was some pit scored some points late after the game. It was actually a wider score than even the final 20-point margin. So, uh, yeah, very impressive win. Yeah, and you get, you know, four, uh, four players that are getting 17 points or more. You're really hard to beat at any level of basketball, no matter where, men's, women's, NBA, WNBA, um, that was a heck of a performance by the Illini. It really was. And like you said, 92-71 the final in a game that was not that close. It was 50-30 at halftime. Uh, Illinois, like Brad mentioned, shooting 58% on the three-point attempts. Adalia McKenzie, a career-high 25 points, uh, hitting 82% of her shots. Uh, Makaira Cook, what an addition she has been this year. 22 points for her. Um, Jada Peebles with 20. Uh, uh, Genesis Bryant, 17 in the final tune-up. Before they begin Big Ten play, let's bring in the Illini gal right now, Adalia McKenzie. Hey, Adalia, congratulations on a career high twenty-five points and a seven and one start. Um, did I read somewhere this? You've already, you guys have already equaled your win total from last year, and 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 we're just in the first weekend of December. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we actually uh, said something about that after the game. Kendall was like, "Y'all, we have as many wins as we did last year." Like, we already, like, there, like, just keep going. It was just something exciting to feel because only when they say the game sucks, like, you know? But <laughs> being able to beat that, being able to get seven wins at the beginning of the year just feels really good. Coming off a loss, you guys showed a lot of resiliency to bounce back and play well the next game because, you know, as a team that had lost a lot of games in the past, it's easy to go on those spirals and lose confidence and start losing. What was the key for you guys in bouncing back against Pitt? Yeah, honestly, like, the key was just our mindset. Like, we wanted to learn from it and grow from it and just be able to go out there and just perform at our best and just get that dub that we, you know, unfortunately didn't get in Florida. But another thing was just our defense. Like, in the Delaware game, it was really our defense that kind of, like, took us all the game, you know, we weren't doing our principles and doing what we usually do, we weren't that aggressive. So this game we were focused on getting stops, 
getting boards, boxing out, just doing all the little things. And of course, you were, as, as Larry mentioned, nine for 11, two for three from the three. Um, how much fun was it when you were running down to that offensive end of the court, knowing that, uh, you know, you were looking for the ball and your teammates were looking for you as well? Yeah, that game was really fun. I just enjoyed just playing my game and just also feeding off everyone else's energy. You know, when I see Makaira or anybody else on team score, I'm like, I get hyped up. I'm like, all right, like, let's all get buckets day. So it's really <laughs> <laughs> uh, so big that win 92-71 Illinois. It's their first true road win in almost three years. Uh, February of 2020, snapping a streak of 21 straight losses. Uh, and by the way, all seven other wins this year by 21 points uh, or more. It has just been uh, what a turnaround uh, by this group of uh, – of, uh, of, of young Illini. Well, now you've got uh, Sunday, you've got a, a really tough task now at Indiana, I believe ranked in the top 10 right now. Um, you've had some challenges, but this is certainly the biggest challenge to date. Yeah. Uh, we're just seeing that, that game as any other game. We're just going to be locked in. Like, we know it's going to be a big game for us. And, you know, we honestly see as like everybody else against us. You know, a lot of people are expecting Indiana to win. And we just want to go in, just do what we do, fight all 40, and just give it all. So is there a – as you kind of move forward, what game – where do you kind of see yourself from the beginning of the year to now as you hit into Big Ten season? What, what's been the biggest, like, improvement you guys have made through this, uh, this start? I would just say our chemistry. I feel like we're playing together more and just feeling for each other's game. And we know we're we just know each other's game and know where we're gonna be on the floor. So I feel like it just helps a lot when we need a bucket. Like we share the ball well, we know the offense. And honestly, another thing is just defense, just the little simple things like boxing out. I know uh, like the first few games we struggled with boxing out, but we've been doing better with that. And and looking at the the team and what you guys were able to accomplish. Um it looked like people were sharing the ball and looking for the open, you know, shooter. Um, how is that where you're, you know, what have you guys been doing to work on that where you're not looking just for yourself, but for the team? Yeah, I just think all of us are just um, unselfish. <laughs> but in practice, we work on that. Like we work on driving. If you don't have nothing, work your feet, kick it out, you know, drive again, just looking for the open shot. And I don't know, everyone on the team just wants to see everyone else do well. And we're going to do whatever it takes to help each other do well. Well, it's been so much fun to uh, watch this team. Uh, even last week in the one loss, just to watch you guys battle back and, and almost pull it off in, in the end there. I think eight straight points, like in the final minute, uh, and almost get that win. Uh, Dahlia McKenzie, she is a leading scorer of the Fighting Illini team. But before that, she was an Illini gal, and she's always an Illini gal. And we love having her here on the show. Uh, off the road now to Bloomington with you, our friend, and the uh, Big Ten season opener. Good luck against the Hoosiers. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. All right. Keep them here. We've got much more to come here on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Stay with us. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. you got to take positives from negatives, and obviously there's four games there that we really – uh, in my opinion, could have been on the other end of, right? And if we just had any one of those, one of those four, you know, two of those four, it's a no-brainer, right? So 
Um, I'm excited as hell because I think we're only scratching the surface what we can be. Uh, I knew we needed to get bowl eligible this year to keep moving in the, in the right direction. And uh, I really want to just play Michigan or Ohio State, right? I just wanted one more chance uh, to play against a Big Ten opponent. That's, that's probably what I wanted to do more than anything. Illinois didn't reach every goal, but yes, lots of positives and headed in the right direction. And we will know their bowl destination here very, very shortly. That was Brett Bielema talking about this team. Eight and four, and as uh, the guys were talking earlier, uh, Brett said, hey, I didn't come here to win five games every year. And now he has a chance to win nine in year two. It's championship weekend and uh, guys, a lot of games out there and, and it's fun. This is always a great time of year, uh, every year when you look out at this and see all that um, every game means something now. Uh, conference championships, of course, we start with the big one, the Big Ten, number two, Michigan, taking on Purdue Saturday night in Indy. Yeah, I, I, the Wolverines coming off the huge win, uh, upset win at Ohio State. And, you know, Purdue kind of, you know, they, they struggled a little bit at times, but were able to pull out the win against Indiana to get into the uh, championship game. Had to have some help from uh, Nebraska. Nebraska had a, uh, you know, had a stranglehold on Iowa. <laughs> yes, they did. Anyway, um, this should be a game where I think Michigan's, you know, clear favorite. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Michigan's a clear favorite. Of course, one of us did pick Michigan to defeat Ohio State down there. I'm not going to say who his name was, but one of us would that, did. Would that be you, Mike? Yes, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I, I thought that Ohio State has, was so explosive on offense, and Michigan hadn't been explosive on offense, but they certainly showed the capability against the Buckeyes to well, make the big plays. And, and now they play a Purdue team that also can make big plays. Yeah, and I think that offense and defensive line that Michigan had was the big difference. And Purdue, you know, Aiden O'Connell, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Let's hope he has a great game coming off of some very tough circumstances with his older brother passing away. Yeah, no question about that. What a what a way to cap his uh, just incredible career. Um, you love to see those underdog stories of a guy that says, I can play at this level and goes out in stars uh, at that level. Boilermakers and the Michigan Wolverines. In the SEC, it's a 4 p.m. game, CPS on Saturday. Uh, you know, it was uh, about 20 years or so that LSU team went into Atlanta and uh, upset uh, a Tennessee team that was headed to the national championship game. Um, the Tigers did not look good last week against Texas A&M, uh, but can they pull off the upset and, and knock Georgia off the ranks of the unbeaten? And I think Georgia would still be in the playoffs, but certainly would not be the number one seed if LSU can do that. Yeah, you know, you, you look at that and you say, um, you know, LSU going into, they were saying if they would win out, even with two losses, they might get into the college football playoff, but then they laid an egg. Now, I will say that somebody told you last week that Texas A&M was going to give them fits, uh, even though, and that would be who, Mike? Uh, is that Larry? <laughs> no, it was not. So anyway, no, I, so I don't think, <laughs> I think uh, Georgia, I think has proven to be the best team in the country, but as we've seen, you can lose. And if Georgia loses this game, see, I look at this now with LSU having those three losses. Does this is this a worse loss than maybe Ohio State losing to Michigan? I, I don't, you know what I mean. So you start yeah. thinking at those things, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Georgia's in for sure. So I think that's a little anticlimactic, but. I think they want to be the one seed too, instead of the three or the four seed as they get into this. Yeah. And I think this LSU team, because they're a little bit inconsistent, I think they could come out and play the game of the year um, or 
we could see them get blown out. That's the beauty of watching LSU. Um, you don't know what to expect. One of the fun games every year down there at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, and we'll see if the weather let them have the uh, roof open down there at the house where the Falcons play. Big 12 title game, number three, TCU, the Horn Frogs, one of the great stories this year in college football. And really, K-State, also a great story. They just happen to be uh, just behind them um, at, at right now, ranked at number 10 of the CFP. Uh, but the Wildcats trying to knock off the Horn Frogs and really kind of create some chaos here. Yeah, I think if TCU loses, they're out. I, I don't think they can sneak in with one loss when you got teams like Ohio State right there um, on the cusp, you know, with one loss. Um, and, and, you know, the other side of it is I'm not sure they get in if they uh, – a two-loss Alabama team might get in ahead of them right now, you know I mean, as they start moving down those, those rankings. But, yeah, I think Kansas State – I'll be honest with you. What I thought from this game, I think Kansas State and TCU, you know, just played, right, recently, and it was a barn burner of a game down to the wire. So here's the way I look at this. I think that um, if I think if the key for TCU was Kansas State getting in this game and not Texas, because I really think Texas would have been a better matchup. I just like the way they're playing right now. Mm -hmm. And if Texas would have been the team here, then I think that TCU may have gone down. I think they find a way to survive another game. Maybe it's the last second field goal again. Yeah. And I, I think this is a very interesting game because Kansas State was up 28 to 10 and ended up losing 38 to 28. They've got a lot of motivation to come out here and get that, get some revenge. Obviously, TCU is extremely well coached well with Coach Dykes, and his offense is incredible. Should be a really fun matchup, but I, I don't know that I'd dismiss Kansas State so quick. That's a noon Eastern kickoff on ABC. Also on ABC at 8 o'clock Eastern, the ACC title. Number nine, Clemson, uh, boy, was right in position to be one of those teams if one of the teams ahead of them fell, but the big upset loss against uh, South Carolina and Mr. Rattler at quarterback uh, knocks them down, and they're playing for uh, other goals now. 23rd ranked North Carolina is their opponent in the ACC title game. Yeah, Clemson's just not the same team or program. I mean, I know they're still recruited at high level, but since the Deshaun Watson-Trevor Lawrence era, They've just been okay. And, and that's not to say they're ranked ninth in the country. That's great. That's fantastic. 10 and two, but they're not, they're not at that elite level anymore. And they're playing, I'll be honest with you. You look at their, they're playing in a pretty weak conference overall. And so they're, they're still dominating the ACC, but you know, for national level, they go outside the conference and they lose to South Carolina and Notre Dame. Yeah. North Carolina is, is one of those teams that can be just incredible. Um, or they, they, you know, they have a couple bumps in the road that you just don't expect. So if, if I had to put my advantage, I think I think Clemson's the better team. I think they've got the more consistent team, and I think they'll come through against uh, the Tar Heels. Got one minute left now. Friday night game, Pac twelve. <laughs> it's funny on my notes I wrote Pac ten. Some <laughs> soon will be again. You're old. You're old exactly. Larry. I'm old or I'm really young. Eleventh uh, uh, ranked Utah and fourth ranked USC. The Trojans, if they win, are they in? Yes, Trojans win. They're in. They lose, and it opens the door for Ohio State, Alabama, whoever you know, one of these teams that's just behind them. 
Yeah, and if and if they win, that just means that Oklahoma will be the bitterest state in the United States for that uh, weekend. <laughs> their coach and their quarterback going uh, on hey, to the, some national semifinals. And, and Utah's good. I mean, a yeah. lot of times we we forget about Utah. Who is who did USC lose to? I can't remember who was it. Yeah. Oh, Utah, right? Yeah. So this is uh, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and we'll take a quick time out right now. Stay with us. Much more to come after we pay some bills. Stay with us. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. Well, some other stories going around the uh, college football landscape. Let's start there. The Rose Bowl. You know, they were threatening to uh, hold on to their time slot on New Year's Day, and that put the whole college football expansion thing in jeopardy, like potentially losing half a billion dollars. Uh, but, guys, they have agreed, and so we will expand to 12 teams coming in 2024. I think it's great. I, I think that they need to expand to 12 teams. I think that, you know, so many, we've got all these conference championships games this week that are basically irrelevant. I mean, you know, Georgia and Michigan are in, and so now they're just playing a game that doesn't mean anything. But imagine if LSU and Purdue could win those games right now, and then they would get a, the auto bid yeah. from a conference. Like in really, yeah. yeah, like in basketball. I mean, that makes these games so much more fun to watch and so much more intriguing when you know you're going to be in. Now you could say, well, Georgia knows they're in, but Georgia and Michigan are now playing for top four seeds so they get the buy right so there is there, there's so much more intrigue added to the college football landscape and you also don't, don't feel like a team is playing this game like usc's playing their championship game and the only thing they have to win to get in if they lose they're probably out so they're playing an extra game while other teams just sit on the side and watch while they could be knocked they out lose. of the playoff yeah hoping they lose i mean now you'd be saying, well, hey, they're all in, but now you're playing for seed. It still matters, but may, you know, now we get the right teams in there. Yeah, and I found it just um, unbelievably amazing that the, that the Rose Bowl, with its tie-in with the Big Ten, uh, <laughs> decided to come in the same time that uh, the Big Ten is, is uh, going, bringing on USC and UCLA. So it's, it's going to be like a fantastic – you got a new Big Ten – um, you've got a new playoff system, the 12-team system, so we know that they can just permanently put Alabama in and most likely <laughs> Ohio State will be in permanently. But the bottom line is, is, is with this, you know, eight games and then leading, you know, or four games leading into the, the four games with the teams that are one through four, this is going to be unbelievable. And will college football be able to – take the NFL off the television throne. Oh, I think they're going to go toe to toe. It's going to be a lot of fun to, to watch, especially that time of year. And uh, we're going to do a lot of that uh, next week. Once we have the final rankings come out, we're going to talk about not just a 12 team that's coming, but what if we had 16 teams right now? Uh, it's actually doable and it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. We're going to talk a lot about that in, uh, next week uh, here on the show. Hey, speaking of college football, a couple of big hires in the big 10, 
Matt Rule going to Nebraska last Saturday, and then less than 36 hours later, Wisconsin grabbing Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Uh, who wins this battle among two Big Ten West teams? Very interesting hires. Um, I, Rule made sense at Nebraska. It really did. It, it fits. I, I think it's a good hire. Um, Nebraska obviously need to make a change. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but the fickle one, I think, is a really good hire. I'm just surprised at how many schools he turned down before he went to Wisconsin. But I guess it makes sense when I saw how much money Wisconsin is going to pay him every year. I would not turn that down either. Did I wonder, did they put something in the contract that he can't go to Ohio State if Ryan Day gets unseated um, would be one thing. <laughs> and then the other thing is, is with these guys, uh, both of them have – uh, much more uh, crazy wide open offenses than what you typically see in the Big Ten. Are we going to start seeing the Big Ten come into the uh, the the up up to modern era in terms of offenses? And to me, that's very intriguing. Uh, you know, because you've got Iowa who kind of has an offense. You have Illinois who's <laughs> relatively conservative. Um, it it's going to make for some great matchups there in the Big Ten. No question about that. And and I believe, too, that uh, Matt Rule's contract, uh, I think I saw a quote from Athletic Director Trev Alberts, is 90% guaranteed. I mean, the buyout money is just insane. Um, and by the way, I know yeah. you're going to say, wait a minute, but the Panthers still owed him money. Yes, they did. And uh, the Panthers and Nebraska negotiated and worked all that out. So uh, bottom line, he's, he's getting paid. That's the bottom line. And who else is getting paid? Aaron Judge. Did you see the reports of the contract the Yankees have put in front of him? Yeah, for especially for a guy his age, the length, the number of years. I mean, what a 30, 37 and a half million a year or something like that. It's it's pretty good money if you can get it to hit a baseball. Um, you know, so he, judge, but you know what? The guy hits 62 home runs, he deserves it, right? I mean, isn't that the way it works? I mean, I guess that's a, you you produce, you get paid. And you bet on yourself, and then you come through you get paid big time. So I, I got nothing but congratulations for him. He could have settled for a lesser deal. He didn't. He took the risk of getting hurt. He took the risk of falling on his face. And he went out and hit 62 home runs. Good for him. Meanwhile, Ronaldo, if you think that's a lot of money, how about his contract? Brad, you were saying in the break, $200 million for one year? $217 million. He's going to oh. go play in Saudi Arabia. It's like Eli, it's the live soccer league. I, I guess. I don't know. It's just, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous amount of money. And look, I want to put this out there for any sports radio show that you need in Saudi Arabia. The three of us are willing to come over there and we will do it for one year for a hundred million. Yep. So the we'll, offer we'll, split, we'll split the hundred million too. Won't Ex we? Exactly. We'll split the hundred million. We'll do it for pennies on the dollar. We'll find a way. We to... can talk Saudi Arabia soccer. I'll, I don't, I'll talk whatever they want to for that type of money. <laughs> talk oil. Who knows? We'll do whatever. Talk we oil, need harems, whatever. Keep it here. We're back with more right after this on the Sports Spectacular. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 
That's 800-448-0828. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Big shout out to Ron Gunther, the uh, former uh, Illinois Athletic Director, uh, Big Ten Leadership Award. Job well done. Yeah, you know, Ron Gunther, you know, put in a lot of time for Illinois and was a uh... You know, as their athletic director and, of course, former football player. So um, kudos to him. Yeah, and um, I was just wondering, the leadership award's a good one. What award do you get if your football program wins over 40% of their games? There's another one then, Mike. <laughs> is, that, is there another one then? Good. H- higher higher rating. Yeah. <sighs> More coaching news. Uh, meanwhile, primetime Deion Sanders um, confirming that he did get an offer from Colorado. Uh, this primetime? Um, go to mountain time. I think he's going to end up going to South Florida. I think he likes being in the South. I think he's going to go to South Florida. I think that's my prediction for him. Um, you know, and it's a great fit, you know, he's going to recruit well. And so, yeah, it's fun to see what, I mean, here's the thing he's been, I, I underestimated him. He's been fantastic as a, as a college football coach. Yeah, as a longtime Cowboy fan, I, I was not happy with his signing because of the dollars, but he was one of the most amazing football players I've ever seen. Um, it surprised me how good a coach he has been. Great for him. He's kind of moved up the scale. And I do think that uh, that is the, the pick that, that I think he would make. Um, and I, I, he, can, he doesn't need a big TV contract. He's Dion. He can get some people to show up and come play for him. We know a guy who did have a $1.5 million parachute when he didn't get the Nebraska job was Mickey Joseph. And uh, that's probably gone now as he found himself in jail just days after Matt rule got the job. Um, guys, this was crazy. Yeah. He's going to need that money for his attorney. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. You hate to see this stuff happen. Domestic violence is, is, is a terrible thing. Um, but you know, I, I don't understand it. Like, you know, I, I, I think we're talking a break when I get mad at my wife, I go down to my man cave if she lets me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I get my anger out. Yeah. I it's, it's a, it's a shame. Hopefully he'll get uh, the help he needs and the, you know, we'll trust the justice system to handle this, but what a, what a sad story you go from trying to get one of the top jobs in the country to, to this type of uh, story. Yeah, no, um, we all agree there's no uh, place in uh, our society for domestic violence. Maybe you could have the longest yard part due. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Joseph. Sorry, Mickey Joseph. <laughs> Mickey just reached out and slapped you. Uh, <laughs> I just strangle you. Uh, meanwhile, before we uh, before we, we, we let you go, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, the Vanderbilt coach, just went ballistic. His player got a, a technical foul. And then he went nuts in the commercial break. Uh, two technicals got ejected. Actually, had to have the 
police outside protecting the stadium come in and escort him off the court as Vanderbilt playing a Virginia Commonwealth. And so, um, again, we, uh, we hope stack well and uh, he gets things together and we don't know what set him off, but he was not happy. We're happy. Uh, I know we're disappointed that the show is over. Our, our time has gone by way too fast as always lots going on in the college football, college basketball and elsewhere. We hope you enjoy the games. We'll see you right back here. Same station, same time next week for Mike Kegley and Brad Sturdy and uh, our guys that work behind the scenes. I'm Larry Smith. Enjoy. We'll see you next time. ILL. I and I. This I has been I. a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.